All right, we are currently now in John chapter 17, where we find our Lord praying shortly before he and his disciples will cross over the brook Kidron. They'll go into the Garden of Gethsemane, and this is the night that our Lord will be betrayed into the hands of sinners. We've covered a lot of ground already through the first half of this chapter. I don't have time to recap all of that. But you may recall last week the message was simply this. We have nothing to fear because we are in God's watch care. Amen. Whatever happens to us, it is by God's design as God's children. And it is meant for our good and His glory. And we don't have to fear when we understand that God is in complete control. I want to begin today, just jump right into this and read verses 14 through 16. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Jesus here says, I have given them thy word. We know from verse 8 that the words in which Christ gave them, they received them. It's implied here in verse 14 that when Jesus gave them His word, that they received that word. They believed it. They got it into their heart. They believed by faith the word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us that all Scripture, all Scripture is profitable. Amen. Every bit of the Word of God. Somebody says, well, I don't understand some of that. Well, that may be, and, and you'll grow in time as we'll talk about in just a minute. But all of the Word of God is profitable, the Bible says. that It is, it is given by inspiration of God. And it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. I want you to know, everything starts with the Word of God. Jesus here says, I have given them Thy word, even when we think about the creation account, God said, let there be, and it was. It was the word of God. Creation was a result of the word of God. And so powerful was God's word that he can just speak it and bring something from nothing. Amen. And this is a powerful word of God. Remember how John's account opens up. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the Word was God. We have here the very Word of God. Jesus Christ Himself gifted us uh, Himself in the Word of God, if you will. And, and it's readily available to all of us. We are blessed to live in a day. We are blessed to live in a location where we can have access to the Word of God. Nobody's been coming to my house to grab my Bibles and try to burn them. Amen. Nobody has pulled them off the shelves. We can still go to the store and buy them. There are still companies, uh, thank God, church companies, if you will, churches that are printing the Word of God. We're doing that thing as well. And we have the Word of God readily available. Abraham Lincoln was quoted as saying this, I believe the Bible is the best gift God has ever given to man. All the good from the Savior of the world is communicated to us through this book. It is the Word of God which begins our spiritual life. It's the beginning of all things. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23 says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And it's the Word of God that after we have been born again, that we begin to grow 
The Bible says in 1 Peter 2.2, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. And we'll see in the next verse there in verse 17 later uh, in another sermon, but after we have received the word of God and been born again, after we have began to receive the word of God and grow, we also will find that it is the word of God that helps us in our sanctification. Jesus says here in verse 17, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And so everything is about the word of God. It's our creation. We were formed in the womb by the power of God's Word. Listen, we are, we are born again by God's Word. We grow by God's Word. We are sanctified through God's Word. Psalm 119 and 130 says, The entrance of thy Word giveth light. It giveth understanding to the simple. It all comes through the Word of God. And I want to tell you this morning, you need the Word of God in your life. Just consider how readily available the Word of God is in our day and then consider how much time do you spend in it? How much time do you spend reading, studying, meditating, memorizing it? We have it in print. We have it on our electronic devices. We have it in audio recordings. How much time are we spending? We, never before in the history of man has the Word of God been so readily available, and I'm afraid maybe it's never been quite so neglected. And to whom much is given, much is required. And listen, we, should be, we have no excuse not to be in the Word of God. Jesus had given them God's Word, and we've been given God's Word in its entirety. All that God wants man to know is contained in this Bible. It's up to us to receive it. We have to allow it to be profitable in our life. You have to allow that. Listen, there's nothing magical if you just sit down and read it. I know a lot of lost people that can read the Word of God and it does nothing for them. But you have to study the Word of God. You have to make sure it's profitable. It's not something magic that takes place, but it takes work. And so we must be students of the Word of God. And given all that's going on in our country... We have every reason to be more studious than ever before, but are we? We're being quarantined, but are we using that time to study the Word of God? Or is it just time to play more video games? Get work done around the house, maybe finish the project that we've been waiting to do. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with those things. It's just a matter of keeping everything in the right place. God has given us... His Word. And now we have to decide to make use of it. Everything about our Christian life begins with the Word of God. Now look at verses 14 and 16. At the end of verse 14, Jesus says, Because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And then He says the same thing in verse 16. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. It's the receiving of the engrafted Word of God that takes us out of this world and identifies us with Christ as believers. Anybody can say they believe Christ, but what makes a true disciple, what makes somebody that we can look at and go, yes, it is when we follow the Word of God, amen? It is when we actually are applying the Word of God in our lives and we are living the Word of God. And so once we receive the Word of God, 
I don't mean to put this in a dumb way, but we are placed on a different team. Hallelujah. Listen, you're either of your father, the devil, or of your, you're of God, the father. There's only two sides you can be on. And before the word of God had any effect upon our lives, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were dead. We were at enmity with God. But once we received God's word, we were born again. And at that moment, we were placed on the winning side. Amen. We had a change of citizenship. We are no longer of this world. In Christ, we learn that we are just pilgrims and strangers. We're just passing through. Listen, this world is not my home. I'm thankful to be living in America, but my citizenship is in heaven spiritually, and I'm just passing through. We have here no continuing city, but we seek for the heavenly Jerusalem and the heavenly Mount Zion. We have something better awaiting us as God's children. We have set our affections on things above and not on things of this earth. And we are now as God's children laying up treasure in heaven because we understand that all this worldliness and all that this world is one day is going to be destroyed. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 through 13, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we according to His promise, we look for a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Amen. Listen, I'm thankful for all the material blessing that God has blessed me with. God has been so good to me, far above that I could ever deserve in this life. And while I sojourn here, God has given me some wonderful things to have. But those things are never to capture my attention. Amen. Those things are never to arrest uh, my time and consume my life. I'm grateful for the house that God has blessed my family with. I'm grateful for the means of transportation that God has blessed us with. I'm thankful for the food on my table. I'm thankful for the clothes on my back. I'm, I'm thankful that God has been so good to me, but one day every bit of that's going to burn up. It's all going to be dissolved. It's all going to melt with fervent heat, and it's not going to be around anymore. And I dare not set my affections on the things of this earth. They're only temporal. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17 say, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. There's nothing in this world worth hanging on to. Nothing. Don't get, don't tether yourself to this world. There's no reason to become attached to anything this world has to offer. The world says, get all you can while you can, but God says, moth and rust are going to corrupt it, so lay up treasures in heaven. The world says, get rich and popular and famous and make a name for yourself, but God says, for what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? The world says, get all you can, but the Bible says, don't worry about all that stuff because you can't take it with you anyhow. Somebody once said, you've never seen a trailer hitched to a hearse because you can't take it with you. The Bible says in Psalm 49, 16 through 17, 
Be not thou afraid when one is made rich, when the glory of his house is increased. For when he dieth, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him. Ecclesiastes 5.15 says, As he came forth of his mother's womb, naked shall he return to go as he came, and shall take nothing of his labor, which he may carry away in his hand. That's exciting, amen? All that labor you did in your life, all that education you did, and all that stuff you were able to buy and collect and all that... You can't even take anything in your hand with you. And the Bible says that all of your labor is going to go to somebody else. That's exciting. Job said in Job 121, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 8, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. Do you have food? Do you have clothes? Be content. That's what the Bible says. Just be content. We were made from the dust and to the dust we are going to return. The same way you entered this world, the same way you're going to leave this world. So just go ahead and settle it that in Christ you are no longer of this world. Now I'm not saying not to enjoy the fruits of your labor. Amen. Ecclesiastes, who, t- who tells us that, listen, all that's going to go to somebody else is the same one that said, enjoy the fruit of the labor. Of... Enjoy the work. How does it go, Suge? <laughs> she doesn't know the Bible either, amen. <laughs> enjoy the labor and <laughs> the fruits of it. And so I don't enjoy the labor, but I do enjoy the fruits of it, amen. And so listen, you can enjoy that, and, and then that's okay, but don't let it control you. Don't let it control you. You're going to leave it to somebody else. Amen. I say this. Tithe. Pay your bills. Meet your needs. Give the offerings. Support missions. And then have fun. That's what I say. (laughs) Amen. But make sure you have everything in order. Now, because of this, because we now identify with Christ, because we have been given His Word and we have received it, the Bible says here that the world hates us. That it detests us. Jesus says at the beginning of verse 14, I have given them thy word, and the world hated them. Over in John 15, verses 18 and 19, Jesus says, If the world hates you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own, but because you are not of this world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. The Bible is absolutely clear on this truth that the world will hate those that are in Christ, those who have received His Word. So we should not be surprised when the world's hatred is manifested toward us. 1 John 3.13 says, Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. Don't marvel about it. It, Jesus said it was going to happen. We can see the hatred for God's people manifested differently throughout the world. We may think of places like China or Iran, North Korea. And listen, if they want to kill Christians, they'll just kill you. We might think of other countries where Christians are being persecuted, they're being silenced, they're being suppressed. In America, we're beginning to see in countries like ours that Christians are being persecuted, if you will, through legislation. We're being silenced through legislation. We've, we've not known persecution in America yet. 
And so I hate to even use that term in our case. They're trying to silence our message. They're trying to silence the message of God's word. Our message doesn't line up with their agenda of abortion. Our message doesn't line up with their agenda of socialism. It doesn't line up with communism. It doesn't line up with big government taking over our freedoms that we once cherished in this country. We stand in opposition of their agenda. We've seen the results of their continued attacks upon Christians and the victories that they have seen. Thank God we've seen some victories as well. There's still some godliness out there. But God has been kicked out of schools. And look at our schools today. The Ten Commandments have been torn down. And look at how society has faltered. God has been largely removed from government. And no wonder we're in a mess today. As they grow more and more emboldened to speak out against the things of God in our day. We will keep seeing how the world hates us. But I, I want you to just let this sink in. Jesus says, I've given them thy word. And the world hated them. What did these men do? They didn't hit anybody. They didn't go pick a fight. They didn't go looking for trouble. All they did was receive the message. And Jesus says, the world hates them as a result. That's hard for me to understand. Because listen, this is the greatest message ever told. It's the gospel. It's how you can be right with God. It's how you can be saved from your sins. It's how Jesus came down and robed himself in flesh that he might die in our place and shed his blood to save mankind. And because of that, people are going to hate Christians. It's the word of God that shows us the path of blessings. It's the word of God that shows us how to avoid misery and heartache while in this life. God's message is what has made every place that the Word of God has ever been received a better place. Morality where God's Word has been received and practiced is higher. Women are liberated. Elders are respected. Children are loved. Our homes are bettered whenever the Word of God is received. And it not only frees people, but it liberates the soul. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And if the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. God's Word frees the captive. It changes our eternal destination from hell to heaven. It gives victory over sin. It cleanses when we do commit sin. The Word of God has only ever benefited mankind. And yet Christians are hated for having received it. These 11 men never hurt anyone, but Jesus said the world hated them. All because they were no longer of this world and they wanted others to be partakers of Christ. These men went about preaching the word of God and they were hated. Just imagine. All you're trying to do is give somebody the way of salvation and you can be hated for it. How is it that telling people about the way of reconciliation between God and man through Christ alone is so divisive? How is it that it causes so much hatred? Personally, I think it proves the existence of God. If it was all just a bunch of nonsense, then why all the hate over it? 
just chalk it up as you're insane. That's not what people do. Well, I guess some do. That's not how the message is treated. How can two words like Jesus saves cause so much division and animosity? How can one statement like you must be born again cause so much hate? How can one question like do you know Christ as your personal Savior cause people's emotions to get so stirred up? Could it be that the message is true and Satan doesn't like that the message is being proclaimed? And you might be wondering if it really causes this much hate. Well, they nailed Jesus to a cross. Secular history tells us these 11 men all all died except for John the Beloved. And word is they tried to boil him alive. All they did is they went out and they proclaimed the message and the world hated them and killed them. But why? They never laid hold on anybody. The message has never been forced by true Christians. And yet, it's hated. All they did was preach the message and they were killed. Through the dark ages, it's estimated that literally millions were killed for obeying God's word over the Catholic Church's teaching on infant baptism. And even today, Christians are being martyred for their faith in Christ. I don't know the exact number. There's a lot of different numbers being thrown around. But I can tell you the most common number being cited today is that every year, 90,000 Christians are being martyred each year. All we've done is receive the word. And as a result, we are no longer of the world, and now the world hates us. It's really amazing when you think about it. And what's fascinating about this passage of Scripture is it dismantles the prosperity gospel movement. Well, just think good enough thoughts and you're going to have victory. The Bible says you're going to be hated. And I'm telling you, we've got such an American view of Christianity that we've lost sight of the fact that it's going to get worse. Now, I'm praying for revival, amen? And I know God is able, and I pray that He'll do that. I pray that He'd start it right here at Liberty Baptist Tabernacle. But we've got to learn what the Bible says. The message must be true if it causes this kind of hate. Now, despite all this trouble in the world, look at what Jesus prays in verse 15. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Understand this morning, we were never meant to escape trials and tribulations and persecutions and sicknesses and pain. It's all part of being conformed into the image of Christ. It's how God works on us. He chisels away at us. God has a plan for each individual. But God wants us to go much further than that. Yes, those things happen because God is conforming us, but also because God wants us to go out and spread the message. God wants us to be busy about His Father's business. At the time that Jesus was walking the earth, the gospel was primarily preached in Jerusalem and Galilee. But after Jesus ascended, the gospel would go to Judea, Samaria, and then the uttermost parts of the earth. 
And the primary mode that God was going to use to do that was preaching, of course. And the problem was the church in Jerusalem wasn't really budging. They were stuck there in Jerusalem. And so God brought persecution to spread the church, to spread the disciples out that they might preach the gospel and start other churches. And so you see, it's not, we're not meant to escape persecution. But God will use that to further His plan. And I said that to highlight how when Jesus prays for us to be kept from the evil, He's not praying that we will be kept from some bad situation. We're going to go through hard times. We're going to have some bad situations that we have to go through. And we're not going to escape them. So what does it mean? I believe what Jesus is praying here, that they would not fall victim to the influence of the devil. Matthew 6.13 says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. In Galatians 1.4, speaking of Christ, it says, Who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world, according to the will of God and our Father. I believe the prayer here is for us to be successful doing what God has called us to do. Therefore, this is not a prayer to be delivered from evil circumstances, but it is a prayer to be delivered from evil personally in our lives. I would say it's akin to what we've been studying on Wednesday nights as we go through the book of Ephesians, namely chapter 6 there. So we must strive not to sin through the afflictions. But so many do. So many do, and we learn that, come to find out, the thorns did grow up and choked out the word. We learn that some had no depth, and the sun scorched them. And, and listen, but Jesus here is praying, I, I don't want you to fall victim to the evil. I don't want that to happen to you. We have to strive not to sin through it all. We want victory over evil, but should not expect to be exempt from evil circumstances in our life. Let me say that again. We want victory over evil, but we should not expect to be exempt from evil circumstances. God has left us here so that we will give others His word. God wants people saved. Amen? Amen. And that's why we are not taken out of this world. And sometimes I think people hear a message like this and they hear passages like this and they look at their lives and they think, well, I don't think the world's all that hateful. Well, it could be you're not witnessing like you should. It could just be you have one of those awesome personalities that everybody loves. But James 4.4 4 says, Know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God? It could be you're too much like the world. It could be you're too much like the world and they can't see a difference in you. They don't even know that you're in Christ. They don't even know that you've received the word. They don't know that you've been born again. And if that's the case, God knows you're not effective. God knows you're not avoiding the evil of this world but that you've got some corner tucked away somewhere where that evil goes. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Now, I think the key there is all that will live godly shall suffer persecution. Because some people just go around trying to pick a fight to try to show people, see, I'm persecuted. No, you're just a jerk. 
You're not persecuted. You just are cantankerous all the time. Amen. So the key is to live godly. The more godly you live, the more the world's going to hate you. And the more the world will persecute you. If the apostles did not go on to preach the word and live the word, which they received of the Lord, then they would not have been killed. But the word of God changed them. And it turned them inside out. And they went on to turn the world upside down. So the challenge as I close is this. How much are you like the world today? Are you seeing just how much of the world you can hang on to? Do you have one hand in the world and one hand in the church? Do you have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom? It'll never work for God that way. It'll never work for God. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Jacob looked at his son Reuben in Genesis 49 and said, Reuben, you are unstable as water. Thou shalt not excel. You have to sell out for the Lord. Do you hear me this morning? You have to sell out for the Lord. You say, it may cost me a cross. Well, according to what I read in the Bible, we're to take up our cross daily. You say, well, it may cost me some things. It will. Jesus said, count the cost. You have to sell out for the Lord. You need to be all in. You cannot be just a Sunday morning only Christian. Jesus died to take you out of the world, but I wonder if you keep going back to the world just as a dog returns to its vomit, just as a pig goes back to her, her wallow. That's the picture the Bible gives. If you're not born again, we want to help you know the Lord this morning. But I'm asking every child of God listening this morning, has there been a time in your life, listen to me now and you need to do some soul searching, has there been a time in your life when you've given everything over to the Lord? Your life, your dreams, your ambitions, your goals. Has there been a point in your life where you've gone on to the altar and said, Lord, you can have every bit of me. You do with me as you see fit. Does God have all of you? Is there something you're hanging on to and it's just part of the world, but you just can't seem to get rid of it? We don't need half-hearted Christians any longer. This is why we're in the mess that we're in today. But we need Christians who will lay themselves upon the altar as a living sacrifice to God. And say, here am I, Lord. Take my life and use it for your honor and your glory. I want nothing to do with the world anymore. 2 Corinthians 6.17 says, Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit which are God's. Would you sell out for God today? Would you sell out for God? Say, God, here's my life. Take it and use it for your honor and glory. Let's pray.